I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, and welcome to an all-new Nerd Alert. Joining me this week, as always, I'm going to get the intros out of the way, because I know today's topic, we're going to nerd the hell out over, which, I mean, that's what the show is about, so. Anyway, joining me, first off, <laughs> my right-hand man, um, the, what did we decide he was? The, the Gandalf? Because uh, he's old uh, of the group. <laughs> Sorry, wise. Because <laughs> he's the wisest of the group. That's what I meant to say. Whoops. <clears throat> right there, even had it underlined. Uh, the only host with the most of the fastest growing show on the Talk Nerdy To Me network. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy To Me. Commander Scott. The Gray. Wow. Really? Is he, the, is, he, is he the white yet? I don't know. Did you come back? Really? Did you leave really? and come back? We, we, we had to bring the gray in there, huh? <laughs> I've had enough that every time my mom sees me now, she's like, you have gray hair? Yes, mother, I do have gray hair. That's because I'm 40-some years old, and you asked me that the last 15 times you saw me. Looks good on you, Scott. That being said, He's I have an experiment. Fox. Sorry. Not a fox. No, no. Nay, nay. Okay, Jonathan. Ed. <laughs> I have an experiment this week. Uh oh. So uh, here recently. Uh, Wait, I, does it involve shooting someone into space and showing them bad movies? So right. I think that I think that's been done. All right. Well, fine. Just take well, steal my thunder. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'll just, Sorry. I'll just, I'll just put a cap on that then. <laughs> now, I recently came into possession of a book published in 1957 copyright on the after the title page by the standard home library it is ripley's believe it or not wonder book of strange facts it looks to long be about, title it looks to be about 460 odd ish pages somebody give me a page number 12 69 oh. <laughs> oh, 12 came out first and no i'm not entertaining 69 sorry that page is not in this book. It skips right over it. So your wife. <clears throat> what? <laughs> what? Hmm? Punishment by proxy. In Germany during the 19th century, all princes of the blood and their I'm gonna butcher this because I'm not good with German compound words. Krugelgnaden. That is a boy who was brought up with the young prince 
and who was spanked every time the prince misbehaved. Ah, it's a whipping boy. Punishment by proxy. That wasn't that strange. I guess it was strange to people in 1957. (laughs) Do you want to try another one, Scott? You feel a little disheartened. I do. I do. 69. Do do it for Bill and Ted. Do it for Bill and Ted. Okay, I'll do it for Bill and Ted. Uh, Page 69 for Bill and Ted. Let's see what is on this page here. Uh, The first side saddle. The first equestrian, sorry, equestrion to ride side saddle was Anne of Bohemia, born 1366. Died 1394. Less than 30 years. She didn't really hang in there, did she? Daughter of the the German Emperor Charles Charles IV and Queen of Richard II of England, she was afflicted with a deformity which precluded her from straddling a horse. Besides, one of her legs was shorter than the other. She made a virtue out of a necessity and introduced the side saddle to the world of fashion. The innovation was accepted because her affliction was kept secret from the general public. So all of that lovely proper ladies ride side saddle is no, it's because the royal family in the 14th century was too embarrassed to let everybody know, hey, you know, generations of incest has performed has, has given us a deformed daughter. <laughs> You know what? Uh, did you know Queen wrote a song about that? Do you know I, what it's called, Jay? What? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. <laughs> First try. <laughs> it's more fun when you press the wrong buttons. It really is. <laughs> what happens when I press this one? Oops, wrong one. There you go. Uh, well, thank you for that, Scott. <laughs> we won't throw the book out just yet. If you get three stinkers in a row, the book gets thrown out. That's how it works. All right. Three, three, three strikes in a row, and it's out. <laughs> uh, and filling out this uh, fellowship of nerds, the uh, uh, he's not the shortest, but he's definitely the dwarf of the group. Uh, it's the beard, mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a DeLorean, it's the Doc. Certainty of death? Small chance of success? What are we waiting for? Thank you, Gimli. He's the best. I remember watching Two Towers with my mom the first time she saw it and laughing at something Gimli said. and, and, And I said to my mom, he sounds like Jason. And then like 30 minutes later, my mom being like, why did you say that? Now, every time he talks, all I hear is Jason. <laughs> like, Sorry, mom. <laughs> Truth hurts. Gimli with a northern accent. <laughs> uh, it would be weird if you had a southern accent. I don't know. See, now I really want to hear Gimli as a dwarf with a deep Georgian accent. (laughs) You can have my axe. My cousin Ballin give us a royal welcome. (laughs) We're going to have us some meat. 
some meat right off the bone. There's going to be a nice warm welcome in Moria. True, you don't see many elf women. In fact, they're so alike in voice and appearance, they're often mistaken for elven men. It's the beards. <laughs> those are those are those are good. Uh, they're seeming a little more Tennessean than Georgian to me, but but I don't, I don't know. Okay, look, we have northern ears. It's all south to us. We don't get it. Okay? Southern southern accent is southern accent. I'm sorry. Okay, south I, of Ohio I, is all just southern. Okay. Okay. If you get yes, if you're if you're south of the Ohio River and east of the Mississippi, you are in the south to me. That's all. And to us Northerners, it's all the same. Yes. Uh, I'm sure the dialects are different, but I can't. can't <laughs> it's pick like it out. Scott trying to point out the difference between uh, like North Dakota, Minnesota, and Southern Canada. It's all just, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I took a trip up to Fargo the other day. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? How's that there? Boy, she she's colder than a witch's titty outside, boys. Oh, yo. Oh, you're darn tootin'. Let's mind the language, though, okay? You mind those P's and Q's here. <laughs> anyway, uh, wow. let's, get, let's get this shit back on the water. <laughs> uh, we are collectively the nerds known as Nerd Alert, um, and we are going to continue our four-ish weeks. Uh, you can call it a month if you want to, but we're starting like the middle of January. Uh, our, our dive into the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, we we sort of did a bit of, um, well, not a bit of, we did a, a whole big uh, state of the franchise on The Lord of the Rings, talking about what's come in the past, what's coming up, what we want to see. And we're going to follow that up today with a deep dive into one particular realm of Tolkien lore. Um, and not even necessarily Tolkien lore, just movie nerd shit. Um, because we're all huge fans of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and we've all at least seen The Hobbit. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about an aspect of the filmmaking, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the lore that appeals to nerds like us. And if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know, especially myself and Jason, there's one thing that will grab our attention quickly in any movie, and that is the weapons. Uh, so today we're going to de- dive deep into, dive Helms deep into the <laughs> weapons and warfare uh, of the Lord of the Rings. And we're not necessarily going to limit it to just the movies, because I know Scott loves getting into that Tolkien lore, and I love him learning me some knowledge. Um, and yes, I'm stealing today's title, uh, Lord of the Rings Weapons and Warfare, from the coolest Lord of the Rings tie-in book ever written. Uh, also the first Lord of the Rings thing I ever bought, uh, which is a book called Lord of the Rings Weapons and Warfare uh, by an author named Chris Smith, which profiles all of the weapons and the battles presented in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, but if you're going to steal, steal from the best. So there you go. There we have it. That's what today is going to be about. That being said, who wants to kick this thing off? Well, if you don't mind. I never do, Scott. I have... I have a bit of a, an opinion that might not be the um, popular opinion. Did you have an apostrophe? I have an apostrophe. Speaking <laughs> um, <laughs> of an apostrophe, so I, I just I just want to I just want to get this this out of yeah. the way 
first yeah. real quick. Okay. So while I do love the movies, I love everything that they did. You know, I love Lord of the Rings uh, for what it is uh, and, and everything. One thing but... I don't like uh-huh. with the artistic direction from the movies. So the artistic direction for the movies is phenomenal. Uh, and and uh, for, well, since the movies came out, what, 20 years ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, they've pretty much kind of dictated most visual representations that we've gotten of Lord of the Rings since they came out. Nothing's really, like, diverged from them greatly. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I dislike about it is, like, so you've got human weapons and armor, you've got dwarven weapons and armor, and you've got elvish weapons and armor, and orc and urukai weapons and armor. And and the visual aesthetic of all three of them meet the criteria of the race. Like, you can look at a human weapon, you can know it's a human weapon. You can look at an elvish weapon, it has the the sleek lines, it's a lot more a lot more curved than than than, uh, than human weapons, which, and, and armor, which are basically medieval Europe. Uh, and then you've got the, the dwarvish weapons and armor, which are very blocky. They have a lot of right angles on them, the axes and stuff. They come out, turn straight down. They don't, like, swoop up or anything. Not a lot of curves in the dwarves. And then the, the, the orcs and stuff are very crude. You know, they're, they're, they're not elegant. They're not reforged. They're, 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 they look like banged out, you know, cold iron and, and such because they want to show that. Um, the problem that I have with this is that all the weapons in each group all look way too much alike. Like if you look at Glamdring and you look at Narsil, like unless you really know the difference, they damn near look alike. You know? I mean you look at you look at um uh crap, I can't remember his name. Uh the guy that got killed uh that had the horn. Um, oh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, Boromir's. Don't yeah, worry, Bor- that's on my yeah. list. Yeah, but once what, what I'm saying is, if you look at if you look at uh, uh, Aragorn's sword and Narsil and Glamdring and and Boromir's sword and everything, they all look very close alike. Well, there wasn't enough variety between them to to capture uh, you know the nuances of each blade. That's my one nitpick. I still love everything. Okay. I'm not saying, but it's it's a nitpick for me for the visualization for the movies. I just I guess I guess I don't quite get like a sword is a sword. Did you want them to redesign what a sword looks like for a certain? No, race? no. I want them to stop <laughs> using the same swooped pommel for every damn human sword. I want them to stop using the same curved cross the uh, cross guard for every human sword. I want them to stop using no cross guard for all elvish swords. I want them to stop using the 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 same swooping splines that that uh, convey the blades of every like like every human sword is basically a hand and a half sword or a great sword. There's no short swords. There's no bastard swords. There's no there's nothing else. It's either it's either a great um, or a hand and a half sword. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm going to jump into it and correct you then, because Boromir's sword, sir, is a hand and a half sword. In fact, it's one of the reasons I put his sword on my list, because I love his sword, because it's so different from all the other swords depicted in the film. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, it's either a great sword or a hand and a half sword. Yeah, that's what I said. They're either one or the other. There's no other swords. There's no short swords in Lord of the Rings in the movies. Well, yeah, the short swords are what the hobbits are carrying. Those aren't because swords. for them, it's a full-size sword. 
That's not a short sword. Sting is nowhere yeah. near as big as a short sword. I've held a replica of Sting. It is nowhere near a short sword. Okay. No. No, 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 I no. still don't get what you're getting at, Scott. You, you, the you, you, they don't look different enough, but then you just described how they look different, but that's not different enough for you? Well, but Sting isn't a human weapon. Sting is an elvish weapon. Yes. I just said. They don't it has a straight up, cross guard, and you complain that they were all curved. And Narsil has a straight cross guard, and you complain that they were all curved. So, again, I don't understand. Straight. I mean, the elvish weapons all look too much alike to each other. The human weapons all look too much alike to each other. I just, I don't like the lack of variety. Like, you know, I, I just don't. Um, listen, I'm okay. just going to throw in my, my two cents here since we're talking about it. Okay. Uh, I didn't know they were supposed to be different. <clears throat> uh, so it doesn't bother me in the least bit. <laughs> Again, it, it, they're they're swords. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what would have satisfied Scott, because I still don't quite understand his 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 curmudgeon complaint. They're they're swords. They stab you. Yeah. They stabby stab. I would have just liked them to look a little different, like you know, between you the know, different swords. Here, here's how much I didn't know about the swords. You started <laughs> listing the names, and I'm like, yeah, who who held it? Whose is it? <laughs> Tell me who had it. Is it Gandalf's sword? There's oh, yeah, I remember what his looked like. There's was not it, a lot of names. Was it Aragorn's sword? Yeah, yeah, I remember his sword. Every <laughs> like, guy has when, two swords. Only one of them getting into, named. When you start getting into names, I'm like, mm, who? What? What? Who, who? What actor played that one? You know, because I... <clears throat> all right, Jay. <laughs> Give us your first pick, then. Or me and Scott are going to be here all day nitpicking. Oh, no, I just like Gimli. I'm just going to say Gimli in general. The dude's got five <laughs> axes. All right? Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Five axes. Okay? He's got two throwing axes, uh, a bearded axe, a um, a war axe. Uh, I don't think it's actually called a war axe. I can't remember what it's called now. But And then a double-headed axe. The dude's carrying five. He's got five axes. There's a reason that 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 Obi John referred to me as the Gimli of the group because <laughs> if it's not overkill, it's not enough. Like, do do you see him use all five? No, but it's just the fact that he's got five friggin' axes that he's carrying with him at any one time. Um, his main one that he carries is kind of got that. It's got an extended handle on it because he he doubles it for walking around, and uh. It's not the double-headed axe, which I wish he would use more. Um, but it's kind of got that swooped curve sort mm -hmm. of face to it. Uh, and it's just, he's just badass. I mean, he's just a little dude swinging an axe, chopping orcs in half. I mean, what else can you ask for other than just Gimli in general? Just Gimli is a weapon. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> One of my favorite behind-the-scenes stories about uh, John Reese davies was... <laughs> They'd go over the fight choreography. And apparently John Reese Davies only has one speed, and that's full tilt. So <laughs> when they would they'd run through rehearsals and okay, you do this and we will we'll do that, and then you'll counter, you know, like they'd they'd block it out and he he paid attention to the blocking. But when it came to like, okay, we're rolling and here we go, there were no half measures. He was just swinging away at the sun guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you know, Aragorn actually tosses him at one point in time. So does that not make him like a weapon? Is he not a dwarven you know, hand you know, grenade Jay, at that point in time? You're right. <laughs> and I believe Gimli would qualify as a two-handed uh, uh, weapon. Is he two-handed or is he a hand and a half? I don't know. Which I'll have to go back and rewatch that scene. So uh, w- one thing that's interesting, you mentioned his 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 walking axe, that single single-headed axe with the swooping kind of blade. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah, that's Glowin's axe. If if you look in the Hobbit trilogy, Glowin is wielding that axe in that movie, along with the same helm. That's his dad's helm and axe that he has in those movies. It's a very nice touch. Yeah. I mean, the dude, like, there's just something about an axe. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But when somebody's got an axe, you're just like, oh, this guy, he's he's a badass. He's going to do something with it. And the fact that he has two axes that he throws, like, <laughs> and I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the movies, but I don't recall him throwing axes at any point in time. I don't think he ever uses them. Um, I know they're there because when they, one of the behind the scenes features is um, the guy who runs what a workshop, his name I can't think of, basically going through every hero's like kit, basically. And he, the first thing he grabs are two, the throwing axes. And I'm like, oh, he has throwing axes? I don't think we ever see him throw one, though. Yeah. like, But I, he's I got them. They're there. Yeah. No, you see, you're that's spot what's on. important. See, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it again. Five. Yep. He's carrying five, five axes. At any given time, five axes. Five axes. Like, Post. hey, I dropped one. Well, Never mind. I've got another. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so. <laughs> He he's he he is he's my spirit animal in Lord of the Rings. Like he, if he could carry six, he probably would have. He probably has. I mean, he's got one yeah. that's double headed. So does that count as six? I mean, <laughs> if you count each blade, <laughs> yes, right? I'll allow it. <laughs> Personally, I think he should carry seven, but that's just me. I mean, um who's it uh dwallin from the hobbit who has uh, double axes on his back and his main battle axe and then he has like literal brass knuckles built into his gloves yeah uh, yeah that that's the one that i always think of uh, when it comes to jay uh, yeah. dwallin is a walking artillery piece yes I'm telling you. okay but here's here's the ultimate question could you toss him into a group of orcs that are trying to break down a door. Could I toss him? No, because the actor who plays him is a giant of a man. So even if you shrunk him down to dwarven size, no, I don't think I could lift that. But somebody stronger than me probably could. Well, so first of all, you wouldn't need to toss Dwalin. Because Dwalin would climb to the top of the wall and parapet above the door and jump into the middle of the fray on his own. Scott has a point. Because no one tosses the dwarf. No one tosses the dwarf. As much as I love Gimli. (laughs) Damn it, Gimli. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Way to be outside the box on your first pick, Jay. I appreciate it. Uh, Scott, you want to go next? Well. I can stall for time. No. Okay. Um. I don't know. I, I have when it comes to these things, I have I have a lot of 
different, uh, uh, different, different things. Uh, one of my favorites uh, of of all the weapons that that, that are in this is, uh, and, and I've already mentioned it before, um, uh, is Glamdring is uh, the faux hammer wielded by Gandalf. Just okay, hold on, you know, hold on. We're talking about a whole page of notes on that one. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> let's do this. You, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I just always liked uh, the lore behind it. I liked the fact that it was we it was it was forged in the first age. Um, it, it's just it's got a great look to it. Um, uh, and, and everything, but it always pissed me off in the movies because it didn't glow blue like it's supposed to. Damn it! Had a, a curved cross guard with. A- Smooth palm. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ignore what Jay said, and I'm going to add to what Scott said, because, yes, uh, I'm with you, dude. Glamdring is one of my favorite weapons. Um, any sword that has a name is an automatic uh, plus one star uh, for coolness factor. So Glamdring, which is Elvish for foe hammer, originally belonged to King Turgon during the First Age. Uh, was misplaced uh, for like a couple thousand years and then somehow winded up, wound up in a troll horde. Um, we're not going to question why. Uh, the inscription uh, along the cross guard is there to strengthen the hands of its users. It says, Turgon, king of Gondolin, wields, has, and holds the sword Glamdring, foe of Morgoth's realm, hammer to the oryx. Uh, used to slay tons of elves and uh oh yeah the balrog the balrog well just that that shot you know and 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 we touched on this last week that shot at the beginning of the two towers you know Mm -hmm. when when we track on gandalf as he lets go of the bridge and 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 he starts to fall after the balrog uh, and he inter- he you know he he intercepts and, and grabs Glamdring on the fall because he dropped it when the Balrog pulled him down, um, and then he he you know he he catches up to the Balrog and you see him just wailing away on the 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 Balrog and um, just knowing that this is a, this is a blade that has um, excuse me that has uh, slain at least one, possibly more Balrog during the 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 war with um, uh, Melkor in the First Age. Um, uh, just just I, I love it. That's that's part of the reason why I love that that scene is is just the bow hammer back in action, doing what it was meant to do one more time. You know, which is beat down big bads. The fact that it's thousands of years old. Yes, and still capable of just slaying again both orcs and goblins and freaking Balrog. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know uh, the fact that it was it was probably wielded at the fall of Gondolin, which is something I would love to see, but I don't know mm-hmm. if we because that was during the first age. Um, uh, I, I the fact that we won't get to see it and we shouldn't get to see it in uh, the new series because it was lost during like the entirety of the second age. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, well, we don't know how it ended up in the, the troll horde, do we? 
That's true. That's true. We don't. I mean, so we, it's it's not yeah. mentioned anywhere, but that doesn't mean it didn't. Like we we don't know how it, from from disappearing during the fall of Gondolin to um, Gandalf finds it. Giant question mark. Yeah, you're right, and that's true. It, it, it could be we could see something. I don't I don't know if we will, but we could see something with it. Um, but yeah, the fact that Peter Jackson. Wanted to make Sting all special. Lambdering, we don't get to see glow brew, glow blue. Damn it! I'm with you, Scott. Um, because Orcrist and Hobbit should also glow blue. They should uh, also glow blue. Yep. But I, I, it is one of the reasons I, I love this sword because I'm gonna get a little weird. So my favorite Star Wars character is Obi Wan Kenobi. I know, what? big surprise. No. I know, I know, what? I know, right? I keep it pretty close to the vest. Um, one of the reasons I love uh, Obi-Wan is because you see him throughout uh, originally both trilogies. Um, there's three trilogies now. He's not in all three of them. But anyway, he, he, he's an important character. Um, even in movies where he's not, you know, lengthwise a huge part of them. Like, uh, look at uh, uh, New Hope. Um, he's integral to the plot of all three movies in the, in the original trilogy, just by way of either things he does or doesn't tell people and whatnot. Uh, and one of the things I love about him, the badass lightsaber, which happens to be blue. Okay. So then look at Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and he's pretty much your Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's got a badass sword that should glow blue. It should glow blue. Just saying, I think subconsciously that's why I fell in love with glam drink. I think that's, that's why. Yeah, like yeah. being in love with Sigourney Weaver and not realizing it until someone pointed out to me in high school. Uh, Glamdring. That was she played. She was played by Liv Tyler, right? Why? Why, man? Why? We we're all just having a good time. <laughs> Got to bring that up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. Think sorry, Scott. Not. I don't. Think oh, you you're right. I'm not. I, yeah. yeah. Um. Just. Just for that. Just. You see the size of that goddamn chicken. Now, what southern region was that dialect? <laughs> Drunken dumbass. Southeast Georgia. Northeast Iowa. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. That's 100% accurate. <laughs> Uh, well, then I'm going to switch things up here, okay, Scott? Uh, which, which, first of all, hey, great first pick. Glamdring is uh, awesome. And yeah. I don't just say that because it's hanging on my wall right now. <clears throat> um, it's totally the real Glamdring. It's not like a, a replica or anything. It's totally the real Glamdring. Yeah. yeah, that I bought on Amazon. Totally. Um, I'm going to do something completely different. Another sword. What? <laughs> I know. I know. Totally different, though, okay? Uh, this has a blade and a cross guard and a handle and a pommel, so it's totally different. Um, <laughs> I mentioned it earlier, uh, and then we got sidetracked, but one of my favorite weapons, and this isn't something I really even noticed until I started digging into some of like the behind-the-scenes stuff, because you see it on screen, and it's used very well, but it's never used the way it's intended to be used. And that is Boromir's sword, which does not have a name, sadly. Um, at least one that I could find. His sword is very unique among the swords used, especially by the men, uh, the human characters in this film, because it's it's not a big two-handed sword. 
it's it's a hand and a half uh, short sword that is extremely uh, um, uh, wide. Uh, where it can, it's three inches wide where it connects at the the cross guard, and then tapers down. It's got a giant uh, ah shit. I can't the the thing down the the blade. Uh, to, Fuller. Thank you. Um, huge fuller to, to reduce the weight, but the fuller doesn't run all the way to the tip. It keeps a lot of uh, material at the tip of the blade. Um, it's got a really cool square steel cross guard that is twisted, um, which gives it a cool look. And the pommel tapers up so that it, it can be used both. It's designed as a one-handed weapon, but if you need to, you can get a two hands on there for a, a heavy two-handed swing. And the way the reason I say you never see it used the way it's meant to be is you never see it's it's meant to be held in one hand while your other hand is holding one of my other favorite weapons that you doesn't get used at all, Boromir's shield, which is a beautiful straight up Viking shield. Um, say what you want. You know, it's really more of an English blah, blah, blah. Shut up. It's a Viking shield. Look at that thing. It's a fucking Viking <laughs> shield. Uh, it, it does not have the, you know, Captain America style leather straps where you hold it across your arm. No, you hold it in one hand. Um, it's got the big, uh, I forget the terminology, the big bubble thing in the center to cover your hand. Yeah, the, the edges are lined in steel um, around the center. It's got some really cool Gondorian uh, um inlay stuff because he's fancy like that uh but it's this beautiful dark like oak shield um it's they're, they're designed to be used together uh that's why his sword is so short is because it's designed to be stabby stabby while you're blocking with your big shield yeah. um i love that i absolutely love that uh i am disappointed we never get to see i mean i granted it's not as cool as like you know the big stuff you know like uh, um uh, Aragorn does and whatnot, but it would have been a really cool way to set his fighting style apart from everybody else who has swords as he's got a sword and a shield because no one else ever really uses shields. Uh, at least some of the main cast ever use shields. They're just, they're that they have plot armor. They don't need shields. Um, and Boromir doesn't have plot armor. So he probably could have used the shield. Uh, in fact, he probably would have helped a lot, uh, with those arrows if he would have had his shield. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah. love these two. Um, some they did a replica of the sword, but it was in super limited numbers, so it's crazy expensive now. Um, and I haven't found a knockoff that looks close enough that I like yet because I would love to have this. Um, and, and, and Scott, you're right. Uh, if if I didn't already know that this was Boromir's sword from Lord of the Rings, and you showed me a picture of it, I'd be like, oh, cool, it's a sword. Like, there's nothing super special about it, which is kind of weird because Boromir is kind of a big deal in Gondor. You'd think there'd be a little more pageantry to it, but I think that speaks to Boromir's character of he isn't about all the heraldry and the symbols and he's, he's, he's a little more down to earth than, you know, his, his father would like him to be. Um, it's an awesome sword. I'd love to see one in person, but there you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, w- I would have liked to have seen, uh, something on screen of, of him using this sword and shield combo kind of the way it was meant to be used because, um, you know, you mentioned that the the shield that he has uh, doesn't have the leather straps like you know people think of shields, of course, from Captain America and stuff. But it has like the the single handle right in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, as bucklers of of that that style. Um, uh, actually, it's a it's it, uh, I believe the the formal term for was it, for that type of shield was a targe, T A R G E. You're um, a targe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, the reason for that center hand hold and not on fully on the arm is the shield is meant to pivot in the hand on that. So you've got you you'll hold the shield like out in front of you perpendicular to you, and you intercept the blade, uh, you know, and and it's supposed to turn the shield in your hand. It'll rotate it, and as it rotates, it deflects the shield the the sword to one side and reveals the sword that's behind it. So it deflects the incoming attack off the side and opens your avenue of attack, which is like you said exactly how he should have been wielding it. He would come. He would he would have his sword behind. He would come up. The, he would intercept the thrust and then thrust thrust as the shield rotated out. Um, but once again, uh, this being a movie and everything, we need the flashy over the arcing sweeps and and everything because it it looks better on camera. Uh, you yeah. know. All I'm I saying will. is, we could have rewritten the whole trilogy if Boromir would have remembered to use his goddamn shield. <laughs> he carries it all over, and he never uses it. You know, poor my poor Sean Bean had to hike up that freaking mountain carrying that shield how many days in a row, and he never got to use it. Well, you know, I've, sorry. I've always wanted to visit the Torj Mahal. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't jump on uh, when he said the shield is meant to pivot, Jay. Pivot, pivot. Um, I, I, I just do want to throw in one, one thing about Boromir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a Reddit post the other day on Facebook. I know oh, it's weird God. to see a Reddit on Facebook. Uh, and it was just like one person that was like, imagine if Boromir wasn't really dead. And then somebody typed like a whole paragraph of like, Basically, he shows up at the end of the movie soaking wet, and he just says, I had to swim upstream. <laughs> I wasn't dead. I was unconscious, you jerk. <laughs> so I had a good chuckle when I when I read that I had to swim upstream part. <laughs> and that, that would be funny if it wasn't established that his body was found and, you know, burned. But anyway, just saying. Wait, his body was found and burned? Yeah, he, he showed up in Gondor. Well, his horn know. does. His horn, yeah, his horn does, but it doesn't, I mean, in the books, his body shows up, too. I oh, see, Scott cheated and read the books. Oh, Scott broke the Hubble. Scott broke the Hubble. <laughs> yes, more MSC3K references, please. <laughs> uh, Jay, I think we're back around to you, buddy. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to stick with my non-swords here, and I'm going to talk about one of my other favorite things, which is, uh, Legolas and his bow. Um, oh, gotcha. Take all my, okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. There's only really so many in these movies to choose from. I'm just saying. I know. I thought, I I thought for sure I was going to, it's fine. It's fine. Go Jay. It's good. Okay, and got this. the reason that I like his bow is because as, an, like, when they first came out, I didn't have an appreciation for it because I was like, yeah, Gimli, go get him. Um, but now that I've started bow hunting and know what it takes, and even with all the equipment I have, because my equipment is, like, basically state-of-the-art technology it makes it easy for the shooter to shoot accurately. Uh, I love watching people with old-fashioned longbows or old-fashioned sort of recurve bows 
shooting with no release. There's no knock loop. They're not really, they're aiming, but there's no sight for them to aim with. Um, and he's a badass with it. It's, and it's not because his, the one that was given to him was given to him. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, Galadriel, right? I was gonna clarify which bow you're talking about because, yes, the he, yeah. he has his Mirkwood bow that he starts with, and then when they meet uh, Galadriel and Lothlorien, he's given a um, uh, Lothlorien longbow. Yeah, and that's that's the one that he, he has through, for the, through, through the rest of the. Yep. It, the one that he uses to take down the giant elephant looking thing. Yeah. Delivers and gives Gimli the chance to deliver one of his one of my favorite lines of the whole series. That still only counts as one. Yep. And yeah. Um, but yeah, when he's got the bow and he's just going to town on it. Although I will put one, I, I what would you call it, a demerit against him because he couldn't kill the guy with the uh, bomb. You know. Just shoot the guy with the bomb. That's all I, I don't get. Think that's the, I don't think that's the fault. He hits him at least twice, and the guy just keeps going. That's true. Uh, uh, clearly, yeah, what he, he needed was a boxing glove arrow. Yes. <laughs> um, it, but he is like, he's so accurate. He's so deadly with that bow. He just he takes things down. Well, He's just awesome with it. I love that. So bow. let me let me uh, add two because I also had this on my list. Um, Legolas's Lothlorien bow. Uh, it's a gift from Galadriel, made from a single piece of heartwood. The string was blessed with a strand of Galadriel's hair. It is sixty-eight inches long when strung, has a range of four hundred yards with accuracy, a pull weight of one hundred and fifty pounds. Oofed. Which means every time you're pulling back on the string, that's 150 pounds. Uh, the quiver made of wood with a leather strap and <clears throat> gold inlay peacock design uh, holds 24 arrows. Uh, the arrows themselves are 40 inches in length with reinforced knocks and steel tips. 40 inches for an arrow. So what it says in... The Lord of the Rings Weapons in Warfare by Chris Smith. Available now. Well, Good Lord. Well, available like 20 years ago. I don't know if you can find it now. Because I, I, that's another, that's an extra yeah, 10 like inches 30, on mine. 31, 32 is about your average arrow length somewhere no, in there. So your arrow length is dependent on your draw length, and your draw length is dependent on your height. Uh, my Yo, draw length. 32. <laughs> my draw length is 29 and a half, and my oh, arrows are yeah my arrows are 30 or 31 because you don't want them to be too much longer than your draw length basically uh so a 40 inch arrow is ridiculous not as ridiculous as the black arrow quote unquote from the hobbit which is a goddamn spear <clears throat> i was gonna put that on here but uh yeah, yeah. so um just comparing that to like today's so okay to use some some specs from today so i i shoot a um a compound bow um that has a 55 pound draw weight at that's at peak weight 
So the maximum you're drawing, and it has the ability to go up to 75 pounds. Uh, so peak weight means that's the maximum you're feeling right before you hit what they call the wall. And then it has an 80% let off, which means that to hold the bow back at full draw, you only need to hold 80% of the peak draw weight. Everybody follow that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to pull back a 150-pound bow on an arrow for 40 inches and hold it, that's ridiculous. That would be... Almost like you'd have to be not human. Yes. Now, the closest thing I could really compare it to in, in human history, because, again, this is a bow used by an elf, uh, and I'm sure Scott's going to tell us about the, how, why being an elf matters in a minute. Um, you look at, like, traditional English longbows. Yeah. Uh, those had ridiculously huge weights, and those are the kind of bow where, like, you literally put your entire body into drawing that back, and you fire in massive volleys. Um the 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 image we all have of a longbow with Robin Hood and you know doing like pinpoint archery like you, you, maybe you could do that with it but that's not what it's designed for it's designed to put volumes of arrows on on uh, a field uh, but that's the closest thing to kind of compare it to but yeah 150 pound pole is ridiculous yeah so yes first of all uh huh um yes we are talking about an elf not a human and. I really don't know exactly how strong elves are supposed to be when compared to humans. But I don't I don't know if it's ever actually covered anywhere. I don't remember offhand anything talking about elves being superhuman strength or anything. B, we're also talking about enchanted bows here. Truth. So it, it, it's a bow with magical properties. Second or third. Fourth, whatever the fuck I'm on now. Is it? Is, does that mean there's? Is there a ten percent? Is there a ten percent chance that your enemy will catch fire when you hit him with that bow? Is that there's what it means? There's a, with that bow? No, that's not its enchantment. There's a one hundred percent chance that he's not really pulling back on a bowstring. Ninety percent of the time, you see him doing it. Now, as far as English longbows are concerned, most of what you see on screen represented with, with, with Robin Hood movies and stuff, they don't actually use longbows. They use the what we know as a bow. An English, a true English longbow is like what, six, six and a half feet tall. It's like freaking huge. Yep. Um, and it's meant to be, you don't draw it like you would draw a normal today com compound bow, a normal re recurve bow or anything like that. You, you literally, like, kind of, this is from what I know, I've never actually fired an English longbow. This is just my my limited, you know, reading and stuff on the subject. You take a, tra a, a traditional English longbow, and you kind of point it straight up, and you 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 pull it back to where your, your draw hand is in the draw position relative to your body. And then as you come down, you push out your other hand, because your mu muscles to push out, are a lot stronger than your muscles to pull in. So you, you bring it straight up and bring the, the draw hand to draw position and then push out with the other hand. Because See, I want in my head right now, I imagine Scott has stood up and he's demonstrating in real time how you do this. Even though none of us can see him, he's acting it out for us. And I appreciate I, the attention to detail, I, Scott. I, I didn't stand up because I'd have been too far away from the mic. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I sat back in my computer chair and was trying to imagine 
pointing a bow straight up yep. without actually extending my arm. Well, you're not supposed to extend your arm. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, in my mind, with my current bow, I have trained my body that to draw the bow uh-huh. quickly and silently, because yep. you're trying to kill deer, yep. you separate your shoulders. Yep. And you're locking that forearm out. Yeah, so you you pull back, you pull and push at the same time. Yeah. But at the same time, you're also looking at a, at a flat, low trajectory shot with your, your compound bow. Maybe a little bit of an arc, depending on the distance away from you, but relatively flat. English longbows are not meant to be fired that way. English longbows were the, were, were the period equivalent of artillery. They fired in high arcs. So you would fire, to, to fire an English longbow in combat at less than a 45 degree angle was probably not common. If they were Look, that close, you'd be sending in cavalry or infantry. Exactly. Listen, listen Scott, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm also going to say um, I, I, I can confirm that my compound bow has the ability to be shot at a uh, high arcing sort I did, of I did, over 45 degree. I, I did, Not that I've attempted it. <clears throat> I, I, did, I didn't say it didn't have the capability. I'm saying as far as the application you're using, you don't employ those angles. But what Jason's saying is kids don't drink in archery. <laughs> just just because your arrow doesn't have a broadhead or field tip in it and you want to see if it still flies straight, don't, don't, don't point it. Don't, don't do it. Don't Blunt do arrows still hurt, kids. <clears throat> they, they, they still fly straight. They still go far. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I grew up in lived in and survived an era where kids for fun would routinely shoot bow and arrows straight up in the air and attempt to dodge the arrows as they came back down we also had lawn darts i was gonna say is this a lawn dart story i want it to be a lawn dart story it is not a long dart story. My, my 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 bow and arrow story is literally my friends and i we were outside you know, we were we were firing bows straight up in the air to see how high we could get them, and fired a. a this is just your simple bow. It's not like a compound or anything. It's just a simple like high school archery bow. Yeah. Uh, nothing special. Just standard. You know, um, uh, hex arrows with the 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 not 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 sharp, but I guess you could call them the blunt tip. You know, they're still metal though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh tipped arrows firing them straight out shooting one yeah yeah and um fired one up and it looked like it was coming down straight on me i was like shit where the hell do i go and so i started kind of running and there was uh there were two sawhorses nearby i forget why the hell they were there with with a couple of pieces of like tin like tin siding like aluminum siding type thing for houses and so I went underneath that and uh, was waiting, was looking to see when it came down, and it, it it came down through the aluminum siding like two feet in front of my head. Yikes! Yeah, I'm like, wow, that was close. All right, who's up? Which moral is a long of way story. of saying, <clears throat> Jay. That's why we didn't get to have laundrons as kids. Yep. Mor- moral of the story. Um, yeah. Thanks. Projectiles Scott. do come down. Oh yeah, we used to, we used to throw lawn darts at each other all the damn time. We loved it. It was great. Uh, I'm afraid to go ahead and move on. Scott, what's your next pick? Well, before I Elvin get to... lawn darts, <laughs> dwarven <laughs> lawn darts, Jeez. Elvin lawn darts. Uh, yeah, dwarven lawn darts would be better. Screw the damn prissy elves. 
and they're 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 flying sticks. You get um, drunk. I don't know why but, I'm Scottish uh, all of a sudden. You quick, throw it in the air. Real quick, I do want to go back to Boromir though, real quick. Okay. I, I, did, I did look it up. So even in the movies, mm-hmm. um, so Faramir does see Boromir's boat. It, it's in the extended oh, cut okay. of, uh, of two towers uh, as it as it floats down the Anduin. Because uh, because in in the movie he floats down the Anduin and he goes over the falls. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and originally I thought his body was recovered because it's been many years since I read the books, but I, I double checked. His body was not technically recovered. I think there's people who think it is, but the actual passage is uh, in Gondor uh, in after days. It long was said that the elven boat rode the falls and the foaming pool and bore him Boromir through Osgiliath and past the many mouths of the Anduin and out into the great sea and under the night stars. So his body does come back to Gondor. Faramir does see it, and he passes through Osgiliath. So his fate is shown in the books. Okay. So. See, it's okay. these little things that the movies don't really, really call to attention that, that is just awesome in the books uh, and everything and, and stuff. So, I don't know. So Scott's picks was your 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 next pick was Boromir's corpse. Is that Boromir's corpse? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that it's is a homing next... missile. He knows <laughs> how to get. <laughs> yes. So if you put if it you in any body to... of water, it'll find its way home. If you exactly if if you <laughs> if you are in need to send a message to 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 Gondor and you are in possession of Boromir's corpse, it's like a homing pigeon. Just put it in the Anduin or any body of water; it will find its way to us, Gilly. I feel like I feel like that should be a card in like a Lord of the Rings like deck building <laughs> game. <laughs> Boromir's corpse. <laughs> Your special ability is corpse return. Should you die, <laughs> to complete this task, you need Boromir's corpse, an elven canoe, <laughs> any body of water, any body of water. And you can send messages to players on the other side of the board. All right. So wrong. <laughs> okay, so the, the, the Boromir's corpse was not your next pick. Sorry. What no, was your next pick, Scott? No, no, no. No, it's not. No. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. It, it's very hard to, to pick specific weapons in Lord of the Rings because... I am so influenced by the movies because they do call attention to to a lot of them um, and such. I will have to say I hate Sting, but that's just me. Um, It's kind of a toss-up. I I find myself going back and forth between um, um, the the Witch King of Angmar's blade and Narsil. Well, hold off on Narsil. Well, and, and I, I mean Narsil specifically, not the... Oh, crap, what was it called? Anduril. Yeah, Anduril. I'm talking Narsil, not Anduril. Okay, they are the same sword. Semantics. Oh, we're going to get into it. Semantics. Uh, how about the uh, the giant uh, chandelier mace thing that the Witch King has in the movie? I have I no care. idea that's in the book or not. I don't care for the mace thing. Oh. Don't care for the mace thing. No, not a big fan of the mace. Well, in real life, I like the mace because it's the most simple weapon to, to wield, but it's not my favorite weapon. It's not my favorite medieval weapon. 
And unfortunately, I don't think my favorite medieval weapon actually makes an appearance in these movies at all. So no halberds. I hate the halberd. God, I... <laughs> halberds are the live Tyler of medieval weapons. <laughs> And that's our episode title. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of a toss-up between those two. I would almost have to put Narsal ahead of the Witch King, but I do love the Witch King's blade in these movies. I know in the book it's technically just a Morgul blade. I was going to ask: is, is his blade a Morgul blade? It is. It is in the books. It is in in the movie. They give it a little bit more oomph um, <laughs> because in the third one is it the third one yeah we see it flaming and i don't remember off the top of my head his sword ever having this ability but once again i'm not a full i'm not like i don't have lord of the rings memorized um and it's been a long time since i've read through all the books yeah he Uh, forgot about boromir's helming sense so that's very true. <laughs> I did. Well, I knew he got back to Gondor, but I thought his body was recovered and they gave him a funeral. I, I had forgotten that he, he had traveled through us, Gilead, and out into the Great Sea. Yeah, and I, well, I, I remembered he made it back to Gondor. Well, tell me about the Witch King sword before we debate about Narsil or Andor. Uh, well, I mean, you know, so first of all, it's a, as far as I know, it's, a, it's either a great sword or it's a broadsword. Um, and it's got, it's, it's, it's like if you took at least the, the imagery of it, they use in the movies, it's if you took Glamdring and added the, the harsh spiky angles of the Urukai weapons and the Morgul blades to Glamdring, uh, take away the, the, the smooth sweeping pommel and added a, um, kind of a skull, kind of a pommel to it, which I think makes it look cool as shit. Um, yeah, it, it's like a, it, it, it's like a, uh, uh, a Mad Max version of Glamdring is the way I can describe it. It, um, it has that like decayed kind of look. Does, yeah. Isn't the blade like offset too? Mm, I don't remember the blade being offset. I'm thinking of a different, different one maybe. Offset from what? Hold on. I might be thinking of a different one. Um, but uh, the you know the fact that it can it can it can flame on apparently in in the third movie I think is a nice touch I love that it's it, it's awesome uh, and of course it has all the the properties of a, a of a Morgul blade that is that the wound will fester and, and it will actually pull you into the realm of shadow and it will make whoever it wounds uh, if they fall in if they are susceptible they fall into shadow it will turn them into a Nazgul uh, I think is what it does or at least a minion of the Nazgul. Once again, I'm not I'm not 100% versed. I'm not a complete Lord of the Rings nerd uh, as much as I wish to be. There's just way too much lore for me to absorb all at once. And I've I do more. appreciate the uh, the pommel being like a crown, uh, which which harkens back to the fact that he's he's one of the nine kings. He was the nine the the the, the ruler of the nine kings of men. Um, uh, but I don't remember it being offset. No, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, that might have been one of the other Nazgul swords. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just I, I like the way that that looks uh, and stuff. And and I'm I'm pulling up things of it now. And oh, it's plastic. I saw one here for fifteen fifty. I'm like fifteen fifty. Oh, it's plastic. Okay, never mind. It's 
Is it from Medieval Collectibles? Because I think I found the same one. It is from Medieval Collectibles, yes. I love that website, by the way. They're not paying us, but I would uh, be cool if they would. Uh, MedievalCollectibles.com is a great place for all your Renfair LARPing needs. Um, That's where most of my Viking costume came from. LARP. Yeah, if I'm ever going to have... I'm never gonna get a Lord of the Rings sword. And I don't know which one I would want, really. Uh, I would, I would definitely get uh, a, a nice metal one. You but, want Sting? Again, but once again, I would, I would want. Gosh, fuck Sting. Um, <laughs> uh, see, Sting to me is the Liv Tyler of the Lord of the Rings swords because everybody fucking loves it, and you know what? It ain't that damn special. All it does is glow blue. That's the only thing it has. There's so many other damn swords that do so much better than just glow blue. I think I triggered Scott. I'm sorry. But it can't shut up about Sting. No, oh, Sting, Sting, Sting. Not even shut up. They actually qualifies this as a sword. Whatever, that's not open. really. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who oddly goes Scottish when you start talking like a, a dwarf too long. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the Witch King Angmar's sword in the movie, because it, it looks different from other Morgul blades. Yes. The, the other Morgul blades are just like kind of a standard uh, a standard uh, hand-and-a-half sword uh, blade, nothing real special about them. And they, they took the Witch King of Angmar, and they gave him a little something special. And they should have, um, uh, and everything. Um I still don't know why he's actually it's actually flaming in in the last movie, other than it just looked cool on camera. It looks cool. It was an awesome shot in the trailer. It was one of my biggest disappointments of that movie. <laughs> There's that great shot of Gandalf riding up uh, uh, um, uh, the Tear of Gondor and comes around the corner and bam! There's the the Witch King riding on the Nazgul, and I'm like, oh, that's gonna be an epic fight. And no, no, it's not. That's that's gonna last about thirty seconds, and we're done. Um, you said Witch King riding on the Nazgul, but the Witch King is the Nazgul. I, I sorry, riding on the um, um, Fell Beast. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Just, just curious. He's riding the lesser Nazgul. It's He's a piggy, right. piggyback ride of doom. <laughs> He's standing on two of them. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I can't has, see over the wall. Guys, let me stand on your back. So just while he up. has the other five harnessed. Um. <laughs> well, I, while we're talking about the Witch King, uh-huh. can I can I just bring up one of the parts of the movie that triggers me? Okay. Uh, when they're at the fight and he's like, "No man can kill me," and then the woman—I don't even know her name—is wow. like, "Awen is her name, you sexist pig." Is like, "I'm no man." I just <sighs> so fun fact. They were going to cut that line out because the writers all felt the same way. Like, wow, that is too corny and over the top. And they left it in for a screening and it went through the roof when they tested it. They said, nope, we got to keep it. People freaking love that line. Okay. Also, Whitney will fight you if you talk bad about it. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It just is like, it was very, very, very cheesy. It was still only counts as one. So cheesy. At one point, Gimli talks literally says this phrase central nervous system. Just saying it. We're gonna go down the cheesy road. What what? Yeah, you don't remember that? 
No. What? He was twitching because he's got my axe in his central nervous system. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't. That's yeah. okay. See, so here's the thing with that. You know, I'm no man. That's in the book. Uh, all right. Yeah, Jay. No, that, 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 that entire exchange is in the book. However, it, it's it's much better in the book. Um. Um. You know, uh, so I, I pulled the quote up here real quick because I don't have it memorized, but I remember it in the book. You know, a sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. This is Eowyn talking. Hinder me? Thou fool, no living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seems that Darnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. And has a much better line than their version. They took that line and they dumbed it down to no end. Well, doesn't in the book, doesn't she pass herself off, like give herself a fake name when they're writing out of bed? Because she's she's disguised. She disguises herself to write out with the writers of Rohan. But yeah. in the book, she basically yeah. like cross dresses half the book. Yeah. Like Derek makes Hall. up a name and talks in a big voice like this. Yeah, yeah. Then Mary yeah. heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seems that Darren Helm laughed because in the uh, book Mary didn't know that Darren Helm was Aowen. Yes. In the movie he does. In the book <laughs> he doesn't. And then so she laughs, and of course, and then and and the clear voice was like the ring of steel, but no living man am I. And that is a much better version of that cheesy ass line. Why they changed it, I have no idea. Test audiences liked it. I. I but will agree with Scott. It. They had to have changed it before the test audience. Which no, no they, 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 I'm saying they were going to cut the thing all together. Yeah. And people said, no, we like it. So, okay, we'll cut it. No living man am I. I am no man. I agree with Jay. It is a cheesy line. I get why they, I like that they left it in because it does bring true to the books, but the, the original line was much better. I'm, I'm with Scott. If they had stuck with what was in the book in that line, I would not be so like, ugh when it happens but like you're both nuts well and and the fact and the fact that so you have you have darenhelm eowyn standing tall in front of the witch king of angmar this is a this is a woman who has no practical warrior training she has no she just she just has sheer determination to do what's right you know a sword rang as it was drawn. If you just see her standing there in front of the Witch King in, in, in all of his might, and you hear that sword, shing, as she draws it from, and she says, do what you will. In other words, whatever you're going to do, do it. But I will hinder it if I may. You know, it's much better than the words we get. She's like, whatever you're going to do, do it, but I will stand here as long as I can. I will I will do everything in my power to stop you. It may not be much, but I'm going to do it. Wonderful uh, dialogue. Sorry. Anyway. <sighs> but I digress. Where the hell are we? We were talking about how awesome Sting is as a sword. That's what oh, we were going to okay. talk about. Not really a sword. More of a letter opener. More of a letter opener, yeah. Uh... Scott gave his favorite, which was the Witch King sword. Ah, and then I think we're. I'm sorry, one from his list, and uh, 
now we're to John, I guess. His most least most favorite. Right. Not his most most favorite. <clears throat> um, so, okay, apparently me and Scott are going to debate on this a bit, too. Uh, my number one favorite sword, and I consider them the same sword, um, is Anduril. <clears throat> the yeah. reforged Narsil, called, uh, the name means Flame of the West. It is Narsil, reforged. It was the blade that cut the ring from Sauron's hand, the sword of Elendil, uh, originally forged in the first age in the Blue Mountains by the dwarves. It was reforged by the elves. I love that whole lineage of it's a, carried by a human, originally made by dwarves, now carried by or uh, uh, repaired by elves. <clears throat> it has runes. The the Andril has runes down the fuller of the blade that read, I am Andril, who was Narsil, sword of Elendil, let the thralls of Mordor flee me. Uh, anytime your sword can trash talk for you, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and it is, or has become, the symbol of the rightful ruler of Gondor, so it's kind of like Excalibur. It's the coolest. Uh, it is impossibly long, uh, the reason you never see <laughs> you 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 uh, uh, never see Aragorn draw it from the scabbard when it's on his hip is that literally Viggo Mortensen's arm wasn't long enough to draw the sword all the way. <laughs> um, so when it, when it's first presented to him, he's holding the scabbard and he takes it out. Anytime after that, it's either in the scabbard or it's already out. It was too long for him to draw. Uh, you guys went a little overboard on that. <laughs> But they had a lot of runes to get in, so we had to make it very long. Uh, but it is a gorgeous sword, and it's used to great effect um, in, in, in both in the context of the movie and in, in the larger context of the books. Um, and like you know, me and Scott both like swords that have a lineage to them, and this has an amazing lineage. Uh, swords that have names are always cooler. This one's got two names. Um, I love it. Yeah, and and I mean... Uh... The fact that yeah you you alluded to it it that Anduril Narsil is the Excalibur of Lord of the Rings, straight up. Mm-hmm. The sword of the king. Uh, the last time there was a king is is, is a, a king of men is when it was wielded. The the fact when it was wielded again signifies the return of the king. I mean you you can't you can't draw any more Excalibur allusions than. Well, what's just presented straight in your face? Um, and yes, I mean, you know, Anduril is uh, forged from the same physical blades, uh, the same same physical medium as Narsil. It, I, I can't argue that. I'm not going to argue that. Um, I do consider them two different blades, and the reason I consider them two different blades is because during the reforging, it came out with different properties. It, it, it had different capabilities as Anduril than it did as Narsil. Physically, it's the same uh, metal plus a little bit extra because of what they had to use to, to, to reforge the shards together. So, in my opinion, they are two different blades. It's just that Anduril contains the shards of Narsil. And okay. That, 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 that's the reason. That's the reason I personally consider them two different blades. Well, it's the only real big, as far as uh, appearance sake, the only major difference is the runes are uh, down the blade. Um, 
And and we, we can both agree, Scott, uh, as cool as it is to watch the elves put the pieces back together, that's not how you reforge a blade. No, no, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming there's some cool elven magic going on there because that's that's not how you – you don't put the pieces back together like a, a jigsaw puzzle and then spot weld them in place. That's not how you fix a sword. <laughs> there must have been some elven magic in that broken sword they found. <laughs> that, wait, wait, that what sword they found? Broken. Okay, I thought you said Elven Sword they found. I was going to have to jump on you there for a second. <laughs> no, no. I was trying to do a, a no, yeah, Frosty yeah, the Snowman. Yeah, frosty, and it was good. I, I was digging it. I was digging it, and it was good, and it is. I just wanted to make sure you didn't say that Elven Sword they found. That's what I heard. No, that, it was that Broken. They're, yeah, that Broken but, Sword. But you could switch Broken to Dwarven, and it would make it better. There you go. Ooh, there must have been some Elven magic in that Dwarven Sword they found. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. The fact that a dwarven sword needs elven magic. Fuck that. He could have beat the king with just the shards. We didn't, you know, damn elven magic to forge our <laughs> would have had to get it really pieces, close. Just throwing pieces of the sword like ninja stars. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere there's movie producers going, hey, what? Hmm? That sounds like a cool <laughs> idea. We can make those toys. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, he had to get him pretty close if he's just using the uh, <laughs> what's left of the hilt. Uh, you know what would come in handy there? A shield! Oh, hey, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you may have to get in close to get to, to, to use just what was left there with the hilt, but you know what? Uh, it, it worked for uh, um, shit, I forgot his name. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the, the son of the king that, that cut the ring from Sauron's hand. Isildur. A sealed door, yeah, it worked for a sealed door. You know what? And if a sealed door can do it, Aragorn can do it. You know what? You don't need a full sword. A sealed door didn't need a full sword. Hey, you know what? He had a shield. He just has to use Boromir's body to go. Oh. <laughs> Poor Sean Bean. <laughs> so we, so we have Aragorn wielding the the broken hilt of Narsil in one hand. And Sean and Bean's dead corpse, corpse. together. <laughs> Tied strapped to his arm. Just waving him around and Sean Bean, you know, just arms flailing about it as he uses him as a human shield. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Weekend at Boromir's. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good shot. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. Uh... Oh... Good God. I don't know. Uh, I forgot. That, that's not, yeah. I uh, know, again, it, it's got an awesome lineage. Um, and and it, it looks awesome. It's still the, every Excalibur movie I've seen, and I've never been super happy with the sword. And I think it's just because Andril, Narsil, whichever version, uh, is sort of my default for like, that's the coolest sword in any movie ever. And no one's been able to top it. Hey, um... The Excalibur from Excalibur is really good. It's a very nice sword, but it it it, it, it you want to talk about swords that just look plain and oh yeah, that's that's a sword. Yeah, like, like there's nothing special about that Excalibur. It's a nice looking sword, but it's other than some like the um, some sort of gold accents. It's just there's nothing special about it. There's nothing that's like oh wow, that's Excalibur. Like there's. I look at Andril with the runes down the blade and the hollow pommel with the gold inlays and the, like the, the the 
artistry that went into every piece of that sword is unparalleled. It looks amazing. I can see that sticking out of a rock and be like, yep, that's that. Well, okay, that wouldn't make it Excalibur, but now we're splitting hairs. Anyway, uh, it, <laughs> it looks mythical. As opposed to like, yes, Excalibur from the movie Excalibur is a very nice sword. It doesn't look, it doesn't have that mythic quality to it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I okay. can see that. And, you know, looking at pictures and stuff right now, I think if I were to purchase a film replica of any of the blades to hang on my wall, mm-hmm. I think right now I want the, 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 the hilt shard of Narsil. Because I think that would look awesome hanging on a wall versus the, the reforged Andrew. They did a limited run of the shards of Narsil, uh, where they were like mounted on a plaque. Yeah. Um, See, I, I think it was United Cutlery did that one. I don't think I want all of them. Just to, just to help. I don't know if they make just that. By God, I'm going to find Okay. Even if I had to buy Otherwise, a... we can buy you just a regular Narsil and just break it ourselves. Just break the bastard. <laughs> I we'll get a cutting works. torch and just, just go to town on it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jay, anything else on your list? Um, so when you when we brought up this topic, uh, I was thinking you were thinking weapons, and then also like I was thinking about battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I always loved was the Battle of Helm's Deep. Uh, God, it's such a wonderful fight. It is, and this is going to sound, it, it might sound dumb, but it's probably one of my favorite parts when they sort of um, conscript all able-bodied men into battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's Aragorn who commands the archers to to draw and hold. Mm-hmm. And they, they just keep showing this poor old guy who can't hold it. Yeah. And then the one arrow just goes flying and takes out an orc. Yep. Uh, it's like, it's almost like the shot heard around the world, except for, for middle earth. That's a good <laughs> shot though, right? Yes. I love that <laughs> part. Cause it's just like, he's just like, hold. And it's like, this poor guy's like, ah, damn it. I can't hold it anymore. And the sure. arrow goes, <laughs> just gets that one orc right in the neck. And all the other orcs just sort of look at it and go, and then all shit hits the fan it's just sort of a like i guess a a comedic moment of levity right before that battle goes down you know where yes if you're gonna conscript normal people into your battle shit like that's gonna happen you know as much as i love lord of the rings the books and i do love the movies and everything there are a lot of people who hate on the movies because they have changes from the books. But overall, I think Peter Jackson did a beautiful job, you know, bringing forth the spirit of the books into a movie to movies and, and doing what he did. One of the biggest nitpicks has always been the fact that the, you know, the elves show up at the battle of Helm's deep because they weren't there in the, in, in, in the books and everything. And everyone's like, Oh, they weren't there. They weren't there. You know what? That's just a fucking awesome scene. Yep. Yeah. You know, when, 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 what's his name? And I can't remember his name, damn name now. I'm not good with names. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Is talking to, 
you know, the king and Aragorn comes up and he says, you know, an alliance once existed between elves and men. We are here to honor that, you know. Oh, God. And those elves come marching in. That is it's just the this... one we've been. They spent like half an hour driving home. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. And then this army of elves shows up. It's like, oh, hey. Like, yeah. It's the briefest glimpse of hope. It's like, ah. And Aragorn's reaction is all just flat out bear hugs the dude. Yeah. You're most welcome. Yeah. Just fuck the king. You know what? You're here. I don't care what he says. Um, I, you know, and in fact, the, Aragorn's behavior in that whole that whole leading up to that, especially like the argument between him and um uh Legolas. Legolas. When they're arguing back and forth, and Legolas looks around and sees that the their argument is starting to set panic in real quick, so he switches to Elvish. Except so, for Aragorn. Well, he switches. When he gets to, mad, he, yeah, they start exactly. talking in Elvish, yeah. and then he still yells. So you have to imagine all these people are hearing like some weird foreign language. Well, what are they talking about? And then all of a sudden, Aragorn just yells out, "That I'll die is one of them." It's like, uh, what now? Yeah, yeah, that whole <laughs> yep. scene is just beautifully constructed. Uh, the 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 language, the dialogue. I'd have to look up to see how much of it comes from the books, because because once again, I don't I don't remember the books. I don't have them memorized. I just have the base gist. But um, but yeah, the, the whole Battle of Helm's Deep thing. You know, if if I could have a cut of Lord of the Rings that is everything in the Two Towers. Without Sam and Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the fast forward buttons for. <laughs> I would be very happy. Yeah. The, and the reason I bring up the Battle of Helm's Deep is it kind of like, for me in Lord of the Rings, yeah, there was some cool fight scenes in the Fellowship. Okay. But there was no like, except for the opening, there was no grand battle. Well, and the opening, you don't get to see all of that battle. Right, you see part of it. And you go through Fellowship and you're like, okay. And then Two Towers, again, some more cool fight scenes. But I think Helm's Deep was the first like large set-piece battle that we got to witness from beginning to end. Well, and it's also not just like a... I mean, there's plenty of movies you can go to to see like Braveheart has cool battles. But this is like a full-on siege of a castle. Yeah. And, and that's even more than like big battle scenes. Like, when do you ever see awesome siege, like medieval siege stuff? That was awesome. Yeah, and it it just sort of also for me solidified the friendly rivalry of uh, Gimli and Legolas, mm-hmm. um, especially when Gimli's trying to see what's going on, and <laughs> Legolas says, "Shall I describe it for you, or shall I get you a box?" <laughs> you're just like oh there's shit talking like you know it, well it's great yeah i mean you know legolas and gimli have kind of an overshadowed story arc all through all three of those movies because at the end of it of course they're friends and like you said you, you get to see that that camaraderie first manifest you know uh at the battle of helm's deep uh and everything um how well, actually no I, I take that back I'm I'm uh, I'm wrong I'm going to take that back you first see the glimpse of that camaraderie uh when they're con- when they're confronting the Rohirrim and uh um Aomer threatens Gimli 
and Legolas pulls his bow and says, you would be dead before your stroke fell. And that was huge. And a yeah. lot of people, if, 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 if you're not if you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings lore, you don't realize how huge that is. Because if you go back to Fellowship, when they first meet at the Council of Elrond, Gimli and Legolas hated each other because they were dwarf and, and elf. And they have that that thing, that 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 you know mutual racial kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Literally, Legolas and Gimli are kind of like the uh, Romeo and Juliet and the I forget the um, the names of the characters in West Side Story, which is Romeo and Juliet. That that they are the uh, Romeo and Juliet and... Of, the, of of Lord of the Rings. They, they cross those racial boundaries and have a mutual respect and a camaraderie for each other that's born from Comrades in Arms. Johnny? Uh, no, that's not right. I don't remember. I've never. I've only seen it like once or twice. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. What about side by side with a friend? Yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. See, God, you gotta love it. I can do that. Sorry, Legolas. <laughs> Thank you, Chekhov. Legolas, <laughs> yeah. one of only two good elves. Sorry, three good elves in the entirety of Lord of the Rings. Wow. Only three. Who are the, who are the other two? Agent Smith Elf. Agent Smith Elf. <laughs> I'm so glad that stuck. <laughs> and Galadriel. Oh, okay. Uh, Clate, Ban- Clate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett Elf. Jesus. I'm gonna go there. Clate. Hella, yeah. Clate. Clate Blanchett. She visited the Taurus Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> Tor sister elf. Yeah. Uh, no love for. Um, I just said his name and I forgot it. Dude, dude, bro. Uh, the guy that shows up at Helm's Deep. Yeah. His name I can't think of. Yeah, dude, bro at Helm's Deep. Yeah, I exactly. literally just said his name and now it's gone. Uh, or uh, Tariel in Hobbit. Dude, dude, bro, elf. And I don't like Tariel and Hobbit through that, <laughs> through that shit. <clears throat> I'm just being there. No, uh, yeah, Battle of Five Armies is, uh, or sorry, the Battle of Helm's Deep. Wow. Uh, is awesome, guy. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, that was sort of like, <sighs> and as much as I rag on the movie for being too, you know, uneven, uh, that is a great battle sequence. And that did sort of elevate. The fights in, in Fellowship are awesome. I love the fight at the end of Fellowship at M and Hen, uh, just because of the camera angles they use, where they get the uh, the crane rig on oh, wires going between trees as we're following them, like rushing downhill. Uh, just the way that battle is shot, I love. Uh, but as far as like the actual content of the battle, Helm's Deep is still your sort of like that's the bar. Like every other battle in any Lord of the Rings tv show movie whatever is going to be compared to helm's deep like that's the gold standard uh and if you're talking like cinematic part of it mm-hmm. the just the score and the music oh that yeah goes with the battle is, yeah 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 that whole thing beginning to end all the way up till you know when um when gandalf shows up there at the dawn with the rohirrim with carl urban <laughs> Carl fucking Urban to the king. Love That's it. all I needed. That's all I needed was was Carl Urban to win to turn the tide of the war. 
That's all you ever need for anything is Carl yeah, Urban. Yeah, Carl Urban. Even, even when he's blonde, Carl Urban. Uh, <laughs> they did one of those uh, like Zoom cast reunion get-together things uh, in, in 2020 for Lord of the Rings. And uh, Carl Urban shows up late. He's talking to somebody else about, like, do you have any cool props that you took home? And Carl Urban goes, ooh, hold on, and gets up and runs away and comes back and sits down and puts his helmet on. Um, and what's great is, so the helmets they wore on set had their wigs glued to the back of them so they didn't have to put a wig on and then put the helmet on. They just put the helmet on and there's the fake hair. So he puts it on and there's the fake blonde hair dangling from the back of the helmet. Nice. It was awesome. It, it would have been better if he'd have shown up late to the Zoom and as soon as he got on, he just yelled, For the king! <laughs> that would be cool. Um, yeah, I forgot right. Uh, for battles, uh, since we're, we're, I think, shifting into that. So we've got all these cool weapons. We should use them for something, right? Um, so we talked about in Helm's Deep how, even though it isn't in the books, we still love the fact that the elves show up to help out. Um, because I think one of the coolest things about Lord of the Rings is the way each race fights. They all kind of have their different specialties. Uh, and it's cool to see those get to work together. And I know Scott's going to have a gripe with some parts of this one. But as a whole, I love uh, the Battle of the Five Armies, and the ah. the third Hobbit movie. And I'd say at the end of the third Hobbit movie, but really it's the entire third Hobbit movie is the Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, when we see, finally, men and elves and dwarves fighting together, that was awesome. Especially, it's the first time, other than some flashbacks, we see a full army of fully armored, ready-to-go dwarves. Oh, God. See, that entire... A lot of people... You know, have said that the the Hobbit movies don't really need to be three movies, and and I can see the argument, I get it, and everything. However, those first two movies are well worth the get through just to get to Billy Connolly. <laughs> he does not get near enough screen time. Dane riding in on a warthog. Dane riding in on a on a on a on a warthog on a battle warthog and everything, but. You got this army of dwarves. You and an army of elves. You got an army of the world's best archers standing behind the world's best shield wall. And what does Legolas's dumb ass son of a bitch asshole of a father do? He calls a fucking charge. Like. Run forward with your bows, you prissy-ass elvish bitches. <laughs> Did he actually say that? Because that would be great. I'm paraphrasing. In Scott's oh. version, they do. Yeah. Yes. Nice. I, you're not wrong, Scott. Because uh, I think that's more built around the moment of until then we don't know that they're really gonna actually fight together and that's sort of the oh look they are gonna fight together moment uh i i tactically yes you're a thousand percent correct makes no fucking sense um but anyway just, just the fact that we get to see them fighting together i love because it's something i wanted to see more of i remember thinking to myself in the theater watching lord of the rings like 
where like okay, we know the dwarves are out there we know the elves are, you know the, the elves are kind of leaving so we know there aren't a lot of them left but they came to help at helm's deep if this is the battle to turn the tide for the war for middle earth where is everybody else uh, that always frustrated me i don't know if that's just i'm sure uh, tolkien fans will tell me why i'm wrong about that but no not, go ahead not, not, not that you're wrong it's just that this comes from the fact that you know you had not read the books and stuff prior to seeing the movies so you're just going off of the information that they give you in the movies which is somewhat different um but at the time you know of the war of the ring the elves had pretty much written off middle earth they they were moving west they were done the time of the elves were done it it it's man's problem um and also and as far as the dwarves are concerned the the battle at at uh mordor and everything and at helm's deep and all that stuff that was going on was not the only fight taking place right there were fights all over the free people's areas i mean which which is also why you don't see any of the other human nations at that fight it's it's not an all-out alliance of men either are you saying there are other nations of men besides gondor and rohan (laughs) yes i've seen that a million times there's only two man there's two No, there's there's the horse Vikings and, <laughs> and, and Sean Bean's people. No, no, no. Uh, they're there's, called the Sean Beananites. The Sean Beananites. No, no. There's, there's more. There's they more. use his, they use his corpse to communicate with each other. <laughs> like a homing pigeon. Yes. Don't ask how they knew each other existed before Sean Bean died. <laughs> don't, don't ask me that. <laughs> yeah. They just send it up and down the river in a elven canoe. Yeah, and once again, the movies, however good they are, they do not do justice to convey what actually is going on in Middle-earth as a whole during that era. Uh, there's a lot more stuff going on. That's uh, fine. Yeah. But, uh, no. That's, no, that's seeing finally seeing all those races come together. Uh, and, and grant, yeah, chronologically, this movie happens first. But in real time, uh, it took... You know, how many years later to finally see elves and dwarves and humans fighting against orcs and weird ass graboid sandworm things. Um, and it was just like that was for the Tolkien nerd who only really knows Tolkien from the movies. That was freaking awesome. More of that. It, it was. It was it was beautiful. I love the visualization of the Battle of Five Armies. Uh, I wish we could have, you know, just completely forgotten about the Bilbo storyline and stuff and just focused on the, 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 the dwarves being kick-ass dwarves and, you know, totally carrying the prissy-ass elves in that fight. As I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. Yep, completely. Yeah. If it wasn't for the dwarves, all would have been lost. If it weren't for the dwarves, the war would be lost. The war would be lost. If it wasn't for my horse, I wouldn't have spent that year in college. So far, <clears throat> you know, Lewis Black? Yep. Awesome. Second of all, did you just really make a war dirge out of the, the, the theme to Gilligan's Island? He sure tried. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, I'm somewhat impressed, sir. <laughs> I think somewhat it's the right amount of impressed to be. Uh, any other battles? Yeah, you know, I briefly mentioned, you know, I like Ammon Hen from the end of Fellowship, uh, but again, it's it's more of a skirmish than a battle. 
Um, I I don't know. I just was gonna bring up the sort of add-on, and, and I know it's not really an add-on, and they changed it, but the sort of awkwardness of Aragorn fighting the troll because it was changed from uh, Sauron. It at the end of Return of the King is just kind of a weird. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. It I is. just want to throw that out there. So, personally, for me, one of my favorite battles in the entire trilogy of Lord of the Rings is the battle with the cave troll in uh, in the Moria. Yeah. In, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Because literally, so I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the epic battles. I love the thing of Helm's Deep. But me being an old school AD and D second edition nerd. <laughs> You know, I, I love the whole, we're in a dungeon, it's just a party of adventurers, we're being attacked by, you know, it, it, that is your most D&D moment in the entire thing. Uh, I remember reading Fellowship the first time, and I remember very vividly um, when Frodo gets hit with the spear and, and, and pinned against the wall, and everybody thought he was dead, and then you get to reveal that he had a mithril chain shirt on, and that, that scene is... Um, mimicked, you know, it's it, it's it's there in the movie. Uh, it, it's lifted straight from the pages of the book. So uh, what happened was Frodo got hit, and then he rolled the nat twenty. So Tolkien had to write him out of it. Um, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, and you know, so you've got that and and everything. The the scene with Legolas jumping up onto the to, to the troll's shoulders and shooting him in the head through the head no no it's not through the head it is not through the head no 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 because if you pause that movie okay if you pause and you you flash forward one frame at a time because i did this with my original dvd copy um because uh, I was curious about that too. I'm like, how the hell did that not kill him? If you go, if you go frame by frame, it glances off. It hits and goes out in front of him. That arrow glances. It does not penetrate the skull. Okay. And um, you know, between you know, just a party of adventurers fighting, you know, a troll and a bunch of goblins and stuff in a dungeon's very D and D like. But then you've got that awesome, awesome scene of Gimli jumping up on the tomb of his cousin Balin, saying, "Let them know there is one dwarf left in Moria that still draws breath." God, that's a great scene. Uh, Scott, just to go off of your your D and D reference. Yeah, uh, Legolas jumping on the cave troll is definitely the one person in the group who the DM says, "Okay, what are you gonna do?" And he's like, "Uh, uh I, I jump on its head." Yeah. <laughs> and the DM's jump. like, "You what? I'm gonna jump on its head." And roll for it. Nat twenty. Well, shit. Okay, you yeah. landed on his head. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna shoot an arrow. I'm gonna shoot an arrow into okay, his head. Okay, okay. Shoot for your hit. Two, not you miss. Sorry, yeah. glance right off his head. Oh, yeah. I don't know yeah. how you missed him a point blank, but it glanced right off his head. It is exactly. That's exactly how that scene played out. Yeah, <laughs> glanced right off. You didn't make it through the armor. His armor, it's on his head. His skull is armor. Okay. <laughs> I Just, love, I think it's in the extended cut. Uh, 
Boromir at one point grabs the chain that's around oh. the neck of the troll and has that moment of realization of what is it? Why am I? Oh shit. <laughs> you What's know, this? It, what? Oh shit. And then like, gets thrown by it. Yeah. And then the, the, the dialogue when they barricade the doors and everything and Boromir looks at Aragorn, yeah, the cave troll. <laughs> <laughs> Very matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, oh, God, I love that entire fight. It is sort of the um, the Avengers Battle of New York kind of moment for the Fellowship. It's where they really are forged together as a unit. Uh, sadly, right before they lose one of their own, but it, it's the first time you know they've been traveling together for a while, but they're they haven't really you know, they're still individuals. This is the first yeah. time they all kind of come together as like the Fellowship. Yeah, the, yeah. the Middle Earth Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you get. Uh... I mean, you get them all. It's actually the only time, like you said, you get them all in, in a in a in an encounter together. Mm-hmm. Because after that, of course, we lose Gandalf. But before losing Gandalf, we get that beautiful scene of the Balrog chasing them, and you get that wonderful, wonderful shot. Like literally from the point that that uh, Mary knocks the skeleton down the well, mm-hmm. all the way up until the flight from Moria is probably some of the best. Lord of the Rings on screen that there is. I, I can see an argument for the best for, for aspects of the Battle of Helm's Deep, but even from the start to the end of Battle of Helm's Deep, there's some slow parts. Yeah, no, Battle of, the Battle of Helm's Deep gets it runs long, and it's it's one of those things where like even hear them talking about it in the 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 commentary of it was a bitch to edit because you know we have to keep everyone conscious of, of the larger battle, but we can't cut away from our main actor, our main stars too long or people start to get confused and they start to tune out because they only care about a handful of people within the battle. So you have that balance where, yeah, no, the whole sequence in Moria from the time the drums start sounding in the deep till the time they get out of them of Moria is one just breakneck pace. Like yeah. it does not let up. It just keeps building and building and building. And is is beautiful. It's fantastic, and it's all centered around your main cast. So you're never getting bored because you're only cutting to other members of the fellowship. It's not and cut to random soldiers who got killed. Okay, and then cut back to Aragorn for a shot. Okay, and then cut back to some random archers. Okay, and then cut back to Legolas. Like no, just, it's all it's it's just with your main party. Yeah. So. Yeah. Moria. Yes. There you go. Moria. Favorite fight. Alrighty then. Anything else that we wants to get out there? I think we covered pretty much everything uh, we have to cover. I, I would like to give an honorable mention as to how yes. satisfying it is to watch um, uh, Boromir and Faramir's father, whose name I can't remember. Denethor. Denethor, thank you. How satisfying it is to watch him fall flaming from the the White City. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I don't know the geography of Gondor very well, but he gets lit on fire in the tomb of the kings and then runs out of the tomb. And then the next time we see him is in the courtyard. Yep. Running. How far did he run on fire? And did in Middle Earth, apparently, we don't know, stop, stop, and roll. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it, is, it is literally run off a cliff. <laughs> Uh, that's one of those, like, we know this is ridiculous, but everyone wants to see bad things happen to Denethor, so we're yep. leaving it there. 
Yep. He 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 didn't get the message from Boromir's body in time for stop <laughs> drop. And, and it, it was in transit. Me, so it it, it 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 reminds me of uh, it always reminds me, and this is because I'm really weird and I'm old and all that good stuff. But it always reminds me of a joke that that Richard Pryor told. And I, I don't know how familiar you are with the story of Richard Pryor, his history, and his stand-up. Mm-hmm. But it's a joke that he told on stage. Um, and it was a joke that he told making fun of himself. So if you look at Richard Pryor, I'm going to a little bit of a history here because it's who I am. If you look at Richard Pryor, uh, prior to I think sometime in the late 80s, and I forget what year, and after... His his skin is very like pot-marked and stuff versus before it's not, it's very smooth. That's because, you know, shocker, he had a bit of a drug problem in the late 80s. And, and Richard Pryor was freebasing at one point and he set himself on fire while freebasing. And instead of stop, stop, drop, and roll, he panicked and he ran out of his house and he ran down the street until somebody finally saw him, jumped on him, jumped him to the ground and, and got him put out. And he suffered uh, severe burns across quite a bit of his body. After that incident, of course, that incident in the late 80s made like national news. It's Richard Pryor, he was drugs, he set himself on fire and everything. So after he got, he healed up and he came back to, he came back to stand up. His opening joke for his stand-up act immediately after all that was so he would get on stage, he'd introduce himself, and he'd go, he'd go, okay, got an impression for you. Why don't you tell me what this is? And he would light a match. And as the match was flaming up, he would he would dance it across in front of him from right to left. And he'd say, It's Richard Pryor running down the street. <laughs> so every time I see Denethor just flaming down. Down the White City, the cliff of the White City. I'm like, oh, hey, look, it's Richard Pryor. Because <laughs> it's funny as shit. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. there you go, kids. <laughs> you ever wanted to know how to connect Richard Pryor's stand up to Lord of the Rings? Scott's got you covered. <laughs> I know, I'm a strange person. Uh-huh. Last week, we'll connect Tim the Toolman Taylor to to Lord of the Rings. Challenge accepted. That's pretty easy. Tim drinking with the dwarves. Now that forge you got there is nice, but it could use some more power. Tim drinking with the dwarves? Tim from Home Improvement, yeah, yeah, hanging out with the dwarves, being all like, "Yeah, that forge is nice, but you know it could use some more power." Uh huh. Uh huh. No, not getting it. Nothing. Okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. John didn't get the memo. Uh, the canoe got caught on a rock. Yeah, Borman's body hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> All right, then. (laughs) We're totally out of stuff to talk about, so we're going to call it a night. Uh, That has been our stroll through the weapons and warfare of Lord of the Rings, book now available. Uh, Let us know what your favorite weapon was, what your favorite battle was, and thanks for listening. 
Uh, tune in again next week when we talk more Lord of the Rings uh, because we're going to keep talking until Scott gets tired of it. Until then, uh, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert. Still only counts as one.